This is most certainly true. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He shines the light of his love into dark places, our world, our lives, our hearts. And his light chases away the darkness of sin and makes us to shine with his glory. And through his saving work, we will rise and shine to live forever in the glory of heaven. Behold the splendor of Jesus' love in this sermon recently delivered at Grace. The Gospel according to Luke chapter 9. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to them, Master, It is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Some people love secrets, maybe partly because they're good at it. Some people really enjoy being able to be the confidant in their their peer group, the one that people know I can confide in and, and my secret will be safe with them. Some people like to manufacture secrets in their lives in the way that they interact with other people. They find it fun to be able to control exactly when and where and who gets to see and understand and know that secret or that piece of information. But other people don't like secrets. The thought of them having information that the people around them don't know, it's terrifying. They feel like that secret is, is like a balloon that just continues to inflate and it gets bigger and bigger until you know what happens. Boom! And then the secret is out. And then everyone knows. In God's word before us today, Jesus gives his disciples a sneak peek, an opportunity to be let in on a secret, so to speak. Jesus really had not kept his identity secret from them. He had told them with his words, and they had seen it in his actions. But in regards to what they saw in Jesus, you could say that Jesus had been keeping his identity a secret. Jesus 
looked more like the disciples than he did like God. Jesus looked more Hebrew than heavenly. On the outside, Jesus looked like a normal man. Yet on the inside, we know the secret that he was keeping, that he himself was true God. He was keeping that secret until his time was right, until the right audience was there so that they could see his glory. Then that secret was by design. Jesus could have done it differently. He could have come as a hero. He could have come as a Savior with bulging muscles and flowing hair like Fabio. He could have had GQ striking good looks. He could have been one that just always was radiant with glory. Jesus could have come as superhero Savior, complete with key row on his chest. But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan for Jesus is revealed to us through a prophecy that Isaiah made hundreds of years before. It's in chapter 53 that we hear God's plan for his son, our Savior Jesus. There we read, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Jesus didn't look like God, even though that's exactly what he was. Though fully human, though fully God, excuse me, Jesus chose to disguise himself in human form. He chose to take on human flesh so that he could be our savior and substitute the creator of the world, the omnipresent creator of the world, confined himself to a virgin's womb. The one who made all the animals that roam the earth made one of their feed boxes his first bed. The God who created life had to learn how to live. He learned how to walk and how to tie his sandals and how to mature and how to grow. The Lord of life learned how to live. And he lived that life for you and for me. He lived that life in humility. The creator came to serve created ones like you and me. The perfect son of God traded places with sinners like us. He laid down his life so that we could be forgiven. He was willing to suffer so that we could have peace. He was willing to die so that we would not get what our fates deserved. The king of heaven lay lifeless in the earth. Jesus set aside all his rights all that which he had earned for himself, everything that should have been his, he laid it all aside so that he could have what he truly wanted, you and me, so that we could be his prized possession. Fully God, yet Jesus became fully man to be our substitute and Savior. And there on the mountaintop, Jesus gave his disciples the sneak peek. He allowed them to see what he had been hiding all this time. He allowed them to see who he truly was. For a moment on the mountaintop, Jesus gave his earthly disciples heavenly eyes so that they could see his glory. 
And by God's grace and through the gift of faith and through the miracle of inspiration, we get to be on the mountaintop too. We get to see his glory as well. We get the benefit that they had. And so with Peter, James, and John, with Moses and Elijah, and with Christians on this day, on this Transfiguration Sunday, with Christians around the world who are focusing their attention to these truths, we get to see the real Jesus. The events of our gospel take place about two years into Jesus' ministry with his disciples, two years into his three-year ministry. So for two years, Jesus had been telling his disciples with his words and showing them with his actions that he was the Son of God. Jesus had given them exhibits A through Z of his divinity, of his real nature, of who he really was. But now the time had come. Now the time was right for Jesus to let them in on the secret. For Jesus to let them see with their eyes what they had heard with their ears for two years. Now it was time to see the real Jesus. So that's what Jesus planned. He took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain to pray. And when they had finished praying, they saw it. They saw the glory of Jesus shining forth. They saw the real Jesus. Having placed his humility aside just for a moment, putting the divine on the outside, they saw and got that reminder. They got the proof of what Jesus had been telling them all along. They saw the real Jesus. The appearance of Jesus' face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Jesus was there to reveal his true identity, and Moses and Elijah were there to testify to the same. They were there to point to Jesus and to lend authority to his words. Moses and Elijah were there to serve in the same function that they had throughout their entire ministries. Both of them told of the promised Messiah. Both of them pointed forward to the one who would come. Though they didn't know his name, they pointed forward to Jesus. And now here they were on the mountaintop doing the same thing. Here they were at the mountaintop attesting to the glory of the Lord, pointing to Jesus. The only thing that changed was the audience. When Moses and Elijah were called to ministry, it was Old Testament believers that were looking with them forward to the one who would come there on the mountain. It was Peter, James, and John, New Testament disciples to whom they proclaimed their message and for whom they pointed to the Savior. And as if Jesus' glowing face and clothes weren't enough, as if the radiant Old Testament heroes didn't offer enough proof. God the Father chimed in as well. From the cloud came that booming voice, the same voice that came two years prior at Jesus' baptism with almost the same words. This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. How do you think you would have responded if it was Peter, James, John, 
and you on the mountaintop. What reaction would you have had? When I ask myself that question, I'm not so sure that my response would be any different than Peter's. This is pretty neat. This is a pretty cool thing that's happening here. We should probably try to make this last as long as we can. Peter said, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. But Jesus didn't take Peter up on his suggestion. In fact, Peter gets scolded for the suggestion because the idea was contrary to Jesus' mission. Jesus didn't come to just show off his glory, to leave people stricken with awe. Jesus didn't come to gather a few of his favorites and take them off to a secluded place where they could have a glory party. No, Jesus didn't come for any of those things. Rather, Jesus came, true man and true God, to be our Savior from sin. Peter enjoyed what he was experiencing there on the mountain, and he wanted it to continue. But Jesus had in mind something even better. Peter wanted a little slice of heaven on earth. He wanted to enjoy and bask a little bit in that glory, but Jesus had something even better in mind for Peter and for you and for me. He wanted us to have more than just temporary glory. Jesus wanted us to have eternal and heavenly glory. From time to time, we slip into Peter's mentality and slip into his sin. We long for glory in our lives. We wish that our lives weren't as messy as they are. We wish that things went just a little bit more smoothly. Really, in short, we might not admit it, we might not actually speak these words, but what we're asking for is just a little slice of heaven on earth. And in fact, often we think we've deserved that. After all, we are the God-fearing, faithful followers of Jesus. We are the ones that have done everything that the good book says. We are, are the ones that have faith in our hearts. If anyone deserves comforts in life, Shouldn't it be us? We think we've earned it. In fact, we get a little frustrated at God and his plans for us when we don't have little slices of glory, when there are hardships for us to face, when trials begin to pile up in our lives. We feel like heaven on earth is what we deserved, or at least something that looks a little bit more like heaven than what reality is. But you see, Jesus has something far better in store for you. He doesn't want you to have just a little slice, a temporary slice of heaven on earth. He wants you to have heaven in heaven, and he wants you to have it forever, days without end. And that's why he didn't stay at the mountain. And that's why he didn't grant Peter's request, but he came down that mountain into the valley of the shadow of death. That's why he endured ridicule and scorn and shame. That's why he climbed another mountain like we so beautifully sang and heard in the song. 
Jesus, take us to the mountain. Jesus climbed that mountain of Calvary because he wanted you to have heaven in heaven. He climbed that mountain Calvary and climbed that cross so that you and I could be forgiven. He willingly made himself the sacrifice, offering his body and shedding his blood so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could have life. Anyone who walked by the road on that Good Friday would have missed it. They would have seen, or what they thought they would have seen, is a criminal dying a criminal's death. But you and I know the truth. You and I know the glory that was there, veiled still in humility, yet itching to get out, yet itching to burst forth. We see the glory of Good Friday, the glory of the cross, because there we see the love of Jesus. There we see the lengths that he would go to make you and to make me his own. There we see true and forever love. We see the glory of forgiveness the glory of redemption. There on the cross we see the glory of heaven shining forth into the darkness. There we see the real Jesus. It's three days later with his resurrection that the glory show really begins. Jesus bursts forth in victory from the grave. He bursts forth in new life because death couldn't hold him and the devil couldn't defeat him and sin's debt has been paid for you and for me and for the world. Jesus burst forth shining in glory. He left his, the disguise of his humility in the grave. No longer hidden, disguised in humility, but rather our exalted Christ now bore a glorified body. Now he took on again. He resumed the full use of his power. Jesus appeared to his disciples, comforting them and sharing with them the peace that only he could give, and then he ascended into heaven. And there he reigns and rules still to this day. He reigns with power and with love, guarding and guiding you and his church as we journey in pilgrimage through this life. And from there he will come to take us to our final glorious eternal home. And until then, here we are. Here we are on this earth. Until then, we work for the Lord because there is work to do. Work that he helps us to see. Work that he empowers us. Work that he enables us to find joy in. He gives us work to do. He's given us glimpses of his glory in baptism, in the Lord's Supper, in the proclamation of his word. He's allowed us to climb the mountain and be there with Peter, James, and John, Moses, and Elijah to see the glory of the real Christ. But there's work to do. He's given us, we can't stay there on the mountain. We can't stay here and bask in glory because there is work to do. He's given us lives to live and people to serve to his glory and honor. There are plenty of people in our lives who don't know the real Jesus. Plenty who think he's a good guy. Some who think he was a a really good 
teacher. Some think he was a cruel tyrant and plenty who don't know him at all. There are so many in this world who are blind, spiritually blind to the real Jesus. There are so many who need the light of the gospel to shine into their hearts and lives so that their eyes could be opened so that they could see Jesus for who he really is. You've seen him. You've seen the real Jesus. You've seen him in disguise and out. No need to keep him a secret. Tell the world. Tell the world of his mercy and his love. Tell the world of the Savior that you see and that you've experienced with your life. Tell the world of forgiveness and grace freely and and generously poured out for you. Tell the world about Jesus. The real Jesus. True man and true God. Tell the world that heaven is yours because of what he has done. Because he is the Savior who has done it all. No work left for you or for anyone to do. Heaven is ours because of Jesus. Tell the world. Tell the world of a Savior who left heaven to come to earth. So that one day we will leave earth to go to heaven. That's the real Jesus That's our Jesus. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you.